The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Is that your boat? Nah, working on it. That's not mine. It's a friend's. You have, you, have, you, have a, you have a bigger boat than that, huh? Let me come down and ride around on the boat with you. We could broadcast from the boat. You could do your show. I could do my show. And, and really, there would be no reason for me to leave. How about that? Was that your boat in the clip? Are you doing your show from that? You're the second guy to ask that uh, today. Um, I think that that's not, but we're working on it. This is the Rod Peterson Show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the RP Show. Thank you, Rick Regan, our big voice guy. Indeed, it is the RP Show. Coming at you on a Monday. Uh, let's get the bell out. Brand new week. And, uh, okay, it'll be this is the first time. Do you have the you people bell ready, Clark? This is the first time. Every time somebody texts in and tells us that we're not on Game Plus TV today or tomorrow, can you ring the bell? And so I, for the first time today, I'm going to tell you, we're not on Game Plus TV today. We know it. Thank you. So we're live on streaming YouTube. We're live on the radio in Atlanta, WQEE. Shout out Rhino Radio. How about those Falcons? Back-to-back -back winners, division leaders. Yeah, we know we're not on television today, preempted because of pickleball. Don't yell at us. You don't think we want to be on there? It's not up to us. So I'm here in the South Florida studio. Moose is in uh, Toronto. And uh, I don't know. I'm, 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 I, you probably can tell, Darren, you've known me now long enough. I'm a little out of sorts today. I think it's because I ran too much. I ran four okay. miles today, and I just sweated, sweated like a hooker in church. And I, 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 I have not recovered from it. So you might have to take over a lot of the show today. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm a little lightheaded. You know, I don't know if you ever had that where you just sweated and worked out too hard or done something too yeah. hard that you just, you don't snap back right away? Oh, yeah. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. You get a little woozy and you're starting to, you know, lose the bearings a little bit. But I believe in you. I think you'll hang in. I think you'll be, you'll, you'll persevere today. Thank you. I appreciate the vote of confidence. The, as you see, for those that are watching, the Sober Carpenter text line is open and ready to go for business. 902-518-3033. Sober Carpenter, non-alcoholic craft beers. One of our pillar sponsors of the RP show, bringing you your favorite daytime sports talk show every single day. Can you hit the quick six show horn, please, Director Jordan? So he's not sitting there waiting. Before... Before we get into all the topics, I just didn't want him sitting there hovering over the button, just waiting, so he got it out of the way. Before we get to our overreactions on this Monday and the leftovers coming out of the weekend, I didn't really ask you, how was your weekend? Uh, what did you guys get up to there? Uh, lots, actually. We've got company. We've got family in. Uh, Leanne's family's in for the weekend, uh, which is awesome. Uh, so got a little bit of that in, some sightseeing, showing them around. But between that, watched a whole lot of football this weekend. So that was, uh, that was what was going on here. Yeah, that's a bit of the uh, foreshadowing of our quick six. But I just want to say this. 
I don't know. You shook your head and smiled in the meeting this morning when I said uh, what happened with me on Saturday night. It was a whole lot of quietness. We lead a very simple life. But Saturday, I did go to the Florida Panthers and the New York Islanders, and I sidled up to a guy by the name of Dale Talon. And because we're not on Game Plus TV today, that's the second time I brought it up, Clark. You can hit the bell. Just because we're not on television today across all of Canada and 31 U.S. states, the older demographic isn't watching, and that's unfortunate because they would get it. Dale Talon was the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks and the Florida Panthers. He's actually credited with building both those franchises and was also 16 years color commentator on Chicago Blackhawks broadcast. Pat Foley and Dale Talon. Uh, I went up, walked up to him in the press. He lives here. I walked up to him and asked him if he would come on Serena and my Cats and Bolts podcast this week. And he's like, absolutely. He lives in downtown Boca. So he's like, when do you want me? And I said, Wednesday, let's do it. He goes, okay, where am I going? I said, right across from Chops Lobster Bar, right across the street. He's like, I know it well. And then, and then we can go to the Panthers game together after. Yes, we can. It'll be great. And uh, as you said, not that long ago, you said, it's like, Rod, you're with your people. And I am. That's hockey people. It's a very small group. This will not surprise you in South Florida of hockey people. But it's a good group. And we're strong and united. And we have a lot of fun. And we rely on each other to help each other out. And it's just fantastic. And I love it. So thank you to Dale Talon for helping us out. That'll be episode 11 of the Cats and Bolts podcast. Hey, Jordan, are you still there? Can you hit the quick six show horn and let her rip? LFG. Approved. And let's go. I think we could swear right now. No, we can't. We're on the radio in Atlanta. We're going to start with the National Football League. Jordan Love connected with Christian Watson on two of his three touchdown passes. And the 6-6 six and six Green Bay Packers won their third straight NFL game, 27-19, over Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night football. The Packers scored touchdowns on three of their first four drives and never trailed in the game. Green Bay knocked down Mahomes' pass into the end zone on the game's final play. It was wild. Just a couple of NFL leftovers for me coming out of the weekend. Tyreek Hill had two touchdowns among his 157 yards, receiving to help the Miami Dolphins route the Washington Commanders 45-15. The Finns are the AFC East leading uh, club now. They're the number one seed in the AFC. They're 9-3 and three for the first time. Since 2001, Justin Herbert threw for 212 yards and set up a pair of field goals as the Chargers beat New England 6 nothing. I laugh because you know I don't like Tom Brady. I don't like the Patriots fans. I'm seeing what they're saying. They're like, we're unwatchable now. And yet week after week after week, they keep trotting out the same thing. It's amazing. Any other coach would be fired by now. And Atlanta, Desmond Ritter threw for a 20-yard touchdown pass to Michael Pruitt, and the Atlanta Falcons took over sole possession of first in the NFC South by slogging their way to an ugly 13-8 victory over the punchless New York Jets. Those were some of the things I was paying attention to. The Cowboys won, obviously, way back on Thursday, beating Seattle. Ho-hum. Cowboys have a wild-card spot at 9-3. and three. Think about that for a second. Um, but what were your takeaways? What were your takeaways from the weekend? That's how tight the NFC is, man. I, I saw the pregame stuff between Philly and, and uh, San Francisco, and then the 49ers just had their way with the Eagles winning that football game. But I want to, this isn't, I don't want to correct you, so, so tell me if I'm wrong, but I want to make sure people know you don't like Bill Belichick. 
you slipped in there and you said you didn't like Tom Brady. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Tom Brady? No, no. That was a Freudian slip. I want. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and I want to make sure like everybody is pretty clear on that. You and I love Tom Brady. We love Tom. Anyways, yeah, uh, I was good. I would hope they know that. Yeah, I would hope so too. Mm-hmm. Titans blew it. Missed an extra point that would have, could have won them the game. Lost in overtime to Indy, and now we are on the let's just lose them all and get a high draft pick train. So uh, that's where we are coming <laughs> out of Sunday. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, we're gonna go fast. Bing, 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 bing. Uh, the Colts won again. What's up with that? The Houston Texans won again. What's up with that? Uh, that was a huge game in Houston with Denver there. So the games are starting to mean a lot. We're not even in the home stretch yet. But there's a lot of excitement in the National Football League. But I'm going to say it right now. Overreaction Monday before we move on to NHL, college football, NHL again. The officiating thing. I swear to God, I've just closed my ears to it. I've shut it down. I don't want to hear it. I saw people were sending me the clips on the final drive of the Packers-Chiefs game, the uh, pass interference. Um, The bold statement is this. Officiating's never going to change. It's never going to get better. Agree or disagree? I'm lobbing that into your lap because... It's kind of taken me a while to get my feet on the ground, get my head out of the, out of the smoke, and just get clear on something. I've been in sports twice as long or longer than most of the people that think they actually know what they're talking about. If anybody knows what they're talking about, it's me. So if you want to talk about officiating and it being bad, I was around before there was no video replay, almost before there was no televised games. I'm friends with all the officials. My God, you think I don't talk to them? So while they're on the field trying to make a call in front of millions of people, split second, bang, bang, they might screw it up. They might screw it up. And in hockey, the fastest game in the world, they might make a mistake. So let's take the on-field officials out of it, okay? They don't like the replay. Living room officiating, Darren. Everybody's got an opinion on something. That guy or gal had to make an opinion. Bang, bang. Uh, What happened? And 97% of the time, they're right. But let's go to the the replay. And they're screwing that up. Because 10 people can look at one play and have 10 different opinions. That's one. And then two, they won't admit it, but some will. It's the bias against that player, against that team, against that coach, against that fan base. It's in the back of their head, if you know anything about subconscious thought. So that influences the people on the field, the people in the uh, control room, the people that are their bosses. Thank you, whoever put those words in my mouth, because I was far more eloquent and thought out than I actually thought when I was going into this, Darren. I don't want to hear the officiating argument, unless it's my team getting screwed. And even then, it doesn't really matter. There's all these factors that go into officiating that I don't think Joe Blow understands. It's never going to change, so I don't want to hear it. Agree or disagree? I agree. Not even Tom Brady, the GOAT, was clean 97% of the time and only made mistakes on 3% of his throws or his plays, right? The, the refs, you're about, I think you're bang on 95, 97% of the time they're making the right call. Um, they're, they're performing at a higher rate than any athlete or coach ever does anywhere. Um, but the problem is 
is when they make a mistake, it has big consequences. I get that. But when you look at the game last night, they're talking about two plays um, at the end. A big play, uh, unnecessary roughness against the Packers on Patrick Mahomes that probably shouldn't have been called and then won the other way. So they essentially is a wash, right? It's a wash. Um, you probably won on either side. But at the end of the day, no, it's not going to get better. I don't think it's an overreaction because what happens is the replay gets, gets better and we point out every single mistake, even if it's only one out of 100 or five out of 100 uh, calls that they make are wrong. Yeah, very rare. They do a great job. Even the guy or gal in the whatever you want to call it, the situation room looking at the film might make a mistake. It happens because as long as there's a human element, there will be mistakes because humans are not perfect. So I think that's why I cracked the mic. This is not a great way to start the week if I'm annoyed with people already. This is annoyed by listening to everybody coming out of the weekend with regards. Everybody's upset about something, mostly with football. It doesn't seem like a lot of people are with hockey. Um, so it's, it's not going to change. So I don't want to hear about it. But I also understand it's like the one of the biggest parts of sports is officiating and calls. I get it. And it's cost people yeah. championships. It's going to always cost people championships. Sorry. Now, moving on, point two, Brad Marchand scored a natural hat trick and Charlie McAvoy added two assists as the Boston Bruins defeated the visiting Columbus Blue Jackets 3-1 Sunday. Elsewhere, Philip Forsberg and Yakov Trenin each scored as the Predators edged the Sabres 2-1 in Buffalo. Jenna down there in Southern California who points out every time the Sabres win, it was pretty quiet this weekend. Jenna was not tagging us on Twitter because the Sabres lost twice. Quentin Byfield's second goal of the game scored at 13-26 of the third period, snapped a 1-1 tie, and helped the L.A. Kings trip the visiting Colorado Avalanche 4-1. It's a lot of games Sunday in the NHL. Uh, I was, I didn't focus on football, to be honest. I told you I'm trying to concentrate on just one game a day, whether it's live in person or on television, one game a day, and then go on to other things. And to be honest, for that reason, I've never been happier. Just not everything's in my head. I watched Chicago lose 4-1 in Minnesota. Connor Bedard looked tired to me. He was turning the puck over. He was still quarterback in the power play. He's still Connor, but he only had one assist. He wasn't like the day before in Winnipeg, which I also watched that game, where I'm sorry, he made Connor Hellebuck look a little foolish on that goal. Uh, his 11th, which I believe leads the Chicago Blackhawks. Those are some of my observations coming out of the weekend from the National Hockey League. What were yours? Yeah, a little bit of the same. Um, you know, I, I look at that Toronto-Boston game. That's the one that I got to spend more time watching. And what a game. Um, you know, the Leafs have this weird um, ability to find a way to get into overtime or shootouts. And it seems like every night they're playing in overtime or, or in a shootout. But uh, what a great uh, overtime that was. We talk about needing to change the overtime rules, the doubling back and looping up but that was two good teams going head to head in overtime i really enjoyed that some skill and then marshawn ends it into almost an empty net but uh a fun night a fun weekend of hockey and now it feels like it, it gets a little bit quiet here for a few days uh not quite as much action here throughout the early part of the week uh yes and no there, there's six games tonight the jets are home to carolina yeah, the hurricanes point. are opening up uh a western road trip the stars 
disemboweled the Tampa Bay Lightning 8-1 on Saturday in Dallas, and now the Stars are at Tampa tonight. So we're going to talk about that more in hour two. Nelson uh, writes in as I dabble in the viewer comments. Nelson says, just like you always talk about RP, if 30,000 people showed up to watch the average person do their desk job and they messed up, they'd crack in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, and... The referees have nerves of steel. And to be honest, I kind of look at Tim Peel and what happened to him. He's got reason to be upset as far as I'm concerned. I don't know him personally. We've had Tim Peel on this show. But I see some of the things he's done on social media and then what things that have been said to and about him. You think you're going to hurt a referee's feelings? It's not possible, bro. For whatever reason. That, that's just the way they are. And then with me... Um, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm desensitized to a lot of things. And I think that's actually a good thing. I've been through so much of my life that nothing scares me, nothing bothers me, nothing worries me. So with the Bedard thing last week, um, you know, it was a tough week for them. But, and, and I do have empathy, but it's like, hey, you're going to learn from this. You're going to move on. You're going to get more solid out of it. Because the girl that has the rumor going on, like a friend of mine, uh, had a daughter who was like 17, and then they had another kid. So the 17-year-old daughter was seen pushing that baby around, and people thought it was her baby. That was the thing around school. Actually, no, it was her little brother. But you know what I mean? But rumors get going around. This girl's this. You know what I mean? It's, it's rumors happen. They suck. Yeah. I get the difference between what's going around the high school hallways versus North America, but it's like, hey, you'll learn from it. I'm desensitized. Refs are desensitized to it. I'll never forget, speaking of the Canadian Football Officials Association banquet, you've heard this many times, but the one ref came up to me. Again, Canadian Football Officials Association. On the docket was uh, Mike Pereira and me. We were to be the guest speakers, and the one ref came up and said, I, li I listen to your games. Thank you for not crapping all over us. They're just used to it. We're... Yeah. Over time here, we're over. We're going to take a break right away. We've got a lot to get into. We're only two points in. We haven't got to the college football story yet. TSN's NHL power rankings are out. I do want to recap week one in the NLL. We'll get to your comments, everybody. A whole lot more. So stay right where you are. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back on Game Plus Television. No, not Game Plus Television. That's three. It's just me saying it. WQEE Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube Live. episode 1134 of your favorite daytime sports talk show coming at you on youtube live today and the radio wqee shout out rhino radio gorgeous day here in south florida as you can tell 30 degrees celsius with humidity humidity uh and moose is in toronto and just regarding officiating Everybody's going to have an opinion on it. It's like belly buttons, of course. Everybody has one. Steve Smith writes in from Steinbeck, Manitoba, watching, and he says, Frazier's missed call high stick on Gilmore in 1993, game six. It happens <laughs> in 1993. 
I thought it was Don Koharski. I thought it was Don <laughs> Koharski. But uh, forgive me, it was only 30 years ago. Stephen uh, writes in, says, Greetings and no hallucinations from beautiful Guymon, Oklahoma. 1111 Central with the RP Show. Approved. Thank you, Stephen, from Oklahoma. Uh, 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 uh. John Ohm. Look, let me get out all my noisemakers and toys. Okay, John. Oh, the whole gang's here today. Um, he says, for all you Jets fans, game tonight is on at 6.30, not 7 p.m. There you go. You wouldn't want to show up late. Thank you, uh, John Ohm. We'll, we'll get into all these games a little more next hour. Uh, John says, by the way, I saw number 98 in person. The kid was tired, but still was amazing. His fast release to score is amazing. He's talking about Kanabadad. And uh, by the way, 85 mile an hour wrist shot, they're saying. Serena came Ooh. up with a bright idea of we've got, a, we've got a slap shot contest in the NHL skills competition. Why don't we have a wrist shot speed competition in the NHL skills? Instead of like these doorknobs down here in South Florida last year going, here, let's have a shot shooting gallery and knock over surfboards or let's go out to a golf course and shoot pucks to see if we can put them on the green no why don't we do things that actually matter like speed testing wrist shots and snapshots but whatever darren we gotta let it go <laughs> any thoughts before we move on the wrist shot would be awesome to do that and see who's got the hardest wrist shot because watch a hockey game in the National Hockey League and, and you count in one game. How many slap shots are there? Not very many anymore. Not that like there used to be. Nope. There used to be way more. <clears throat> Secondly, if we're talking about officiating and you got to call up a call from 30 years ago, tells me the refs are doing okay. If that's the last, the freshest, big blown call that comes to mind you know what i mean yeah can somebody clarify you might have to go to google can we get a ruling on this steve smith and steinbach said this kerry fraser i'm i thought it was don koharski can i'm gonna go with kerry fraser i'm gonna okay thank you um get ready clark kirk in toronto writes in on the sober carpenter text line he says hi rod Kirk here watching you on YouTube today as the RP show has been preempted for seven straight hours of exciting pickleball on Game Plus television. <laughs> we covered it, but thank you, Kirk. We covered it. We know. Appreciate you making the move over here. So it's in my commentary today, and I appreciate my guy, Mydale Mike, for uh, letting me know how much he loved my commentary today. It runs on Sask Radio. You can read it at rodpeterson.com. It was about what's your sports vortex right now? What's in your purview? What's Because everybody's different. What's top of mind? A lot of mine is college football. And I know that's not just because I'm here in football mad Florida. A lot of my Canadian friends are into it too, including Darren. He's got his Michigan jacket on. But I'll read the wire story. The last year of college football's four-team playoff produced a truly unsatisfying outcome on Sunday when unbeaten Florida State was left out because essentially its starting quarterback got hurt. Top-ranked Michigan will face Alabama at the Rose Bowl in one January 1st semifinal, and Washington meets Texas in the other in the Sugar Bowl. 
Florida State was bumped to the Orange Bowl. They'll play it here. And will face two-time defending national champion Georgia. It was not so much that the 13-member voting committee got it wrong by putting Alabama in over the Seminoles, who lost their quarterback, Jordan Travis. It's difficult to argue the Seminoles in their current state without their quarterback, number one and two quarterbacks, are better than any of those four playoff games. Alabama or Texas would have been deservedly frustrated if they'd been snubbed. Still, keeping Florida State out feels worse. Cold, almost heartless. The quarterback, Jordan Travis, apologized to his teammates for being hurt and the fans over the weekend. And the coach, Mike Norville, said he was, quote, disgusted and infuriated and said, what is the point of playing games? Unquote. So before we delve into this any further, if you are following this as a football fan and specifically a college football fan, our poll question today for Key Auto Group, and by the way, at the Key Auto Group, you can buy with confidence knowing that they provide reports on all vehicles they sell. Get fully informed about your next vehicle by going to keyautogroup.ca. The question is, are you happy with the final four teams collected, uh, selected for the college football playoff? It's just four teams. It's the last year they're doing it. Next year, they're going to 12. But this is the most controversial they've ever had in this format that Florida State's not involved in. To be honest, I'm going to set a big old bear trap here for Moose. Because I know you have thoughts on this. And I, I, I'd like to know. As a matter of fact, before I catch your foot on this trap, I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> you're, you're the one that often says life isn't fair. So I saw you tweeting. Yep yesterday about Florida State and how much this sucks for their players. When I was running four miles today, listening to ESPN radio, the entire four mile run was about this topic. And I heard every argument and it was written. I just read the best argument. The top four teams left standing are in this. You can't argue that. What sucks is Florida State's had a great story. 13-0, won their conference, but their top two quarterbacks are hurt. They're not as good as the other four. That's why they're not in it. Life's not fair. Have I convinced you yet, or what do you think? No, you haven't. I don't, and it's not that it's not the good argument, because, you know, that's kind of what they're saying, is these are the best four teams. We want to have the best um, games we want to have the best viewership. I don't blame them for that. I really don't. Um, but there's probably an argument that Georgia should be in there and Texas maybe should be out because they're better. You know, the NFL doesn't have a selection committee, but it's kind of like saying, "Oh, Joe Burrow's back. The Bengals have only won five games all year, but they're one of the best four, so we're going to put them in the playoffs and we're going to knock the Dallas Cowboys out." You know, who are in first place. You know, it's it's just it feels a little arbitrary. And I just don't like the message that it sends to a team that said, look, um, okay, our quarterback's gone. Okay, our next quarterback's gone. We've completely changed our philosophy now. We're a defensive team first, and we're going to win these games low scoring, you know, by single-digit points. And we're going to go into Michigan, and we're going to try and suffocate them and win by a single-digit score, you know? Um, who are we to say that they wouldn't be able to do that? And I feel like we robbed them of the opportunity to do that. And there's nothing those players could have done to get into the college football playoff. You know, they won all the games. They did nothing everything more. they needed to. Yeah. Nothing more they could have done. So I just don't like that 
message that it sends. And unfortunately, um, it would be solved with a 12-team playoff. But if you put them in and they got blown out, we would have been crying that Alabama or Georgia should have been in. So nobody was going to be happy no matter what. Well, I get why the FSU people are upset, the players and the coaches, and it sucks for them. There's almost fights on the street here in Florida over this, and i got to caution people to just walk it back a little bit if they can. Because, again, it sucks. It's a very harsh life lesson. Boil it down to life's not fair. End of story. You have a committee deciding who these teams are going to be. There's always going to be politics, and that's what this is. Allie in Texarkana writes in. She says, hook them and let's go blue. Take down the tide. So, yeah, they're into it. Nelson, our VP of Sim Events, says, why does the NCAA complicate football playoffs? They always have. Imagine if they had a New Year's madness similar to NCAA basketball. Why do they do it? Because they have to because there's too many teams, which was a wonderful argument I also heard this morning on ESPN Radio, which was they have 68 teams in March Madness basketball, and there's still people pissed off that they don't get picked for that. So there's always going to be somebody upset. Always, always, always. And this NCAA, I'll tell you something. Let me stop for a second. Um, Arlen Bruce says, when I played in the Big Ten, Arlen Bruce writes in, two-time Grey Cup champion, former Kansas City Chiefs. He says, when I played in the Big Ten, I think our team was just excited about going to a bowl game. Nowadays, it seems like a bowl game is a slap in the face. Well, there's that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. KAB, thank you for that. B. Henderson in Winnipeg says, why does game TV think I want to watch pickleball? I want Rod on my Bell MTS. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I didn't even have to ask for it. Do we want to dig up the phone number or do you want to go DM Game Plus Network? And you can tell them I said to. I don't want to get in a whole lot of trouble. But Darren right. was in a meeting with Game Plus, and they said, they said when, the, when, the, when your show's not on, people are upset. And, yet, and then they go and preempt us. So, yeah, we, we would like to be on. We're not on national television today. We're on streaming only. But you all found us, so that's good. I know you have a point on that. We're going to have to run here right away. It's a really good point about AB. <sighs> this college football thing, two years ago, when I first started diving into this, I probably wouldn't have even understood what's going on here right now. But I do now, um, and it's interesting just how this show has grown. I had somebody from Liberty University reach out to me and ask if we would be interested in having a Liberty Flame segment on the show over the next couple of weeks. I'm like, probably not, but I appreciate it. And that was us, as you know, Darren, uh, showing up at the Boca Bowl last year and broadcasting live from the Liberty Flames Hotel and having their people on. So it's great, but yeah, probably not something we're going to do. But I did watch Liberty on Friday night, and that was a hell of a football game that they were in, in their facility in Lynchburg. Clearly a lot to get into in hour two. Moose, thanks for your contributions. You bet. We'll see you then. Moose will be back. Can you? We're 40 minutes into this damn thing already. We just got started. Jeff Patterson joins us from Vancouver next. Ho, ho, ho. We've got a lot. We got a lot to get into with JP. We'll be right back. 
not on Game Plus Television today, but on WQBE Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube Live. It's game day in Florida, but across the state, it's in Tampa Bay where the Lightning are home to Dallas. The Stars will be here Wednesday for game two of the Florida Panthers. Three-game homestand. It's Aaron Ekblad bobblehead night. I already got my Alexander Barkov bobblehead. I have to get my second to complete. Or give me two of the three in the set. We'll get to your comments next segment from all the viewers. I appreciate it. Uh, let's bring in Jeff Patterson from Rinkwide Vancouver. Two goals in the opening 10 minutes gave Vancouver a lead it wouldn't relinquish on Saturday night. Ilya Mikheyev, Sam Lafferty, and Elias Patterson each scored once and had an assist as the Canucks withstood a late push from the Flames to hang on for a 4-3 NHL win. And JP, thanks for joining us. Um, your take on that game, uh, if you don't mind. Not easy to go into Calgary and win for anybody, but Vancouver did it in Nikita Zadorov's debut. What was your take on the game? Yeah, well, that was the big storyline. Obviously, you make a trade with the team, and then he sits there and waits uh, for his new team to arrive and then faces his old team on Saturday night. So uh, the storylines presented themselves there, and I thought Zadorov was fine. He played 17 and a half minutes. He was out there late. Uh, gets an assist on the empty netter, so he preserves the victory. But as you said, it was the, really the start there. Uh, two minutes in, Quinn Hughes scores, and they add to that, and that gave them a bit of a cushion. And, Rod, that was a big bounce-back game for the Canucks because uh, you probably saw that uh, they lost to Vegas on Thursday, and the Canucks have had an incredible start here, and there's a, a real buzz back in Vancouver, and it's been fun. They're 25 games into this thing, but uh, the game against Vegas on home ice on Thursday – it kind of felt like the Golden Knights came to town and said, oh, really, you guys think you're uh, in our class? And then just kind of, you know, swatted them away, outshot them by a two-to-one margin, beat them four-to-one. And I think that there were some learnings there for the Canucks. And so uh, they had to turn around quickly, go to Calgary, a divisional rival, divisional game, and the Flames were playing better of late. And so the Canucks with the regulation win, and it got a little dicey there at the end, but they held them off. They win it four-to-three. You know, they extend their lead to 10 points over Calgary, and that matters because uh, obviously the Canucks believe that uh, they've done enough in the early going here to be a playoff team. That said, there's still a lot of hockey to be played, so to extend their lead to 10 points over a team like Calgary that's in that chase pack, that was an important victory for them on Saturday night. Hey, Zadorov was booed every time he touched the puck. Was it in fun or not in fun? I, I saw his quotes after. He's like, ah, the players here love me. I love them. Do the fans? What, what was the vibe on that? I think anytime a guy asks for a trade, I think uh, the fans think that uh, he's sort of turning his back on on the organization and the city. And we've seen in recent years, obviously, with Johnny Hockey and Matthew Kachuk. And there have been a few that, you know, have wanted out of Calgary. Uh, everybody's got their own reasons. So I think it was a bit of a mixed bag. I think that some of it's in fun. There's always that sheep mentality. If the guy beside me is booing, I better boo as well. Um, and, you know, Saturday night, uh, they're probably fueled up there in the Saddle Dome. Whatever the case, uh, Zadorov is a character. I had heard that about him. This guy's bounced around. It's his fifth NHL team, so he's gone back and played former teams a bunch of times. This isn't new to him. It uh, didn't seem to phase him. And I, I got a kick out of the fact that Rick Tockett decided to, you know, pair him up with Tyler Myers. So you got six foot. Zadorov's the small guy on that pairing rod at six six with Tyler Myers, who's six eight, six ten on skates. And uh, you know, I think that's going to be a pair that the Canucks are going to 
uh, continue to trot out here and see if that's something that uh, you know can work for them moving forward. Yeah, it seemed to work the other night. Now, tell me if this is true. We get so many numbers pumped into our head. I can't remember to keep them all straight. I think the Flames were 12, 8, and 4 or something in November. And the Canucks have cooled off a little bit. Am I right in saying they are 4 and 5 in their last 9? Is that right or did I miss, did I dream that? No, no, and they've alternated wins and losses. So it's kind of funny. They're in this stretch here where it's win one, lose one uh, for the better part of a couple of weeks. But they got off to a 12-3-1 start. And that's where I say, like, that's put them in this position now. 500 hockey the rest of the way won't quite get them into the playoffs. But when you put that many points in your back pocket in the early going, you've set yourself up. And this is a team that for the last couple of seasons has got off to these terrible starts and has been playing catch-up really since the the first week of the season. So uh, the tables have turned here, and that's why I say people are cautiously optimistic, but when you've got Quinn Hughes off to the start that he's off to, uh, Elias Pettersson had 21 points in his first 10 games. He's cooled, certainly, but nobody's talking about JT Miller. JT Miller's tied for second in NHL scoring. Brock Besser leads the NHL with 17 goals, and you got Thatcher Demko doing his thing as one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. So you know, individually, they've got some parts here that uh, certainly have propelled this start. And it's a question of, can those guys keep up at the levels that they've been at? Probably not. Uh, and, you know, some of that too is, uh, and this gets talked about a lot, a lot out here. Like, you can't control your schedule. At the end of the season, you've played 41 at home, 41 on the road. You've played everybody. But the Canucks have benefited from a relatively soft schedule in terms of the quality of competition that they've faced. Only six of their first 24 games have been against teams that are currently in the top 10 in the National Hockey League standings. They've already beaten the Oilers three times when the Oilers couldn't score a goal and couldn't get a save. So the schedule worked in their favor in that regard. You know, a couple of wins over a sad sack San Jose team, although they lost to the Sharks as well. So, look, the Canucks are beating the teams for the most part that are there in front of them on any given night. But they also know that there will be bigger and better challenges uh, as this season moves along. Jeff, the difference is Rick Tockett. That's it. And you going into the season, you said they are good, but how much better are they going to be to be a playoff team? And right now they are. What's Tockett done? Can you put your finger on what he's done? Yeah, a couple of things. One is uh, he really seems to have brought the best out in JT Miller. Uh, JT Miller had a 99-point season a couple of years ago, and we thought, all right, like, you know, can he get back anywhere close to that level? And then at the start of last year under Bruce Boudreaux, uh, the defensive side of the game just got away from JT. I mean, he was out getting scored on. I think he was on the ice for the first eight or nine goals of the season that the Canucks surrendered. And so we talk about a guy that got off to a tough start and it didn't get a whole lot better from there. And I think uh, Rick Tockett came in and you know, JT Miller is a guy that was raised in the Pittsburgh area. I think he watched Rick Tockett as a player. He certainly knows uh, what Rick Tockett's all about. And on some levels, they're not the same. The game has changed. But, you know, JT Miller's a no-nonsense kind of guy. Uh, plays hard and competes, and I think Rick Tockett was able to reach him on some levels about both ends of the ice, and he's been terrific. He's taken on matchups uh, all season long, and as I said, he's tied for second in scoring, so he's risen above holding his own defensively, so that's been a huge part of it. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, a healthy Thatcher Demko, it was uh, this week last year where uh, he got hurt and was out for for three months, and he had, he had had a tough start to begin with, but then he disappeared, and they just didn't have any sort of goaltending uh, as the season started to slip away. So uh, good goaltenders can make good coaches, but Rick Dawkins just brought in a philosophy of, uh, you know, this level of co compete mm -hmm. and, and, you know, winning your one-on-one -on -one battles and winning the board battles and all that type of stuff. I mean, it's pretty simple stuff, 
but it, it seems to have reached a lot of these players and they've molded the roster. Uh, it's not perfect by any stretch. It's hard to get a perfect roster in the salary cap era, but they've brought in some guys, uh, Sam Lafferty you mentioned off the top. You know, he plays a Rick Tockett style, just up and down, but he's got speed and he's got some size and uh, not afraid to use it. And I, I think these guys like playing for Rick Tockett. And the other part too, uh, Rod, is Adam Foote probably deserves a fair bit of credit. I mean, the Canucks were just a disaster last year defensively. Uh, here's Adam Foote. He was available when they made the midseason coaching change. Rick Tockett brought him in as an assistant and to a man, uh, certainly the defense core, just rave about uh, the way that Adam Foote approaches the game. Again, a guy, you know, with a resume a mile long, uh, a track record of success. And so uh, instant credibility and respect there. And you're right. I do think that uh, from the top down, there's alignment now from the management group to the coaching staff they brought in midway through last season. And Rick Tockett had those 36 games last year to sort of uh, instill his systems. And the hope was that they would hit the ground running at training camp. And yeah, I mean, as you look back now, 25 games in, hard to argue with the success the Canucks have had sitting with a record of 16-8-1. A wonderful Vancouver Canucks update. I appreciate it, Jeff. Home now for, what, five? Enjoy the hockey. I appreciate it. Happy holidays if I don't talk with you, and thanks for helping us out today. Yeah, just uh, quickly, we should get you a Roberto Luongo bobblehead to add your collection. Uh, he's going into the Ring of Honor here at the end of next week when the Panthers are in town and they are giving away a, a Lou bobblehead. So I may have to find a way to, to slide you one there to add to your collection. That'd be nice, JP. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Jeff you Patterson right, from Securus and Price and Rinkwide Vancouver. Sports update when we come back. Viewer takeover, and I honestly didn't think you all would jump onto this college football thing like you have, but I'm here for it. We'll carry that over into hour two as well. And Jeff Reinbold coming up in hour two from Sky Sports. We'll be right back. Not on Game Plus television today, but on WQEE Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube Live. Weird to say, but I feel like this is the fastest show we've ever done. Not a whole lot of time to get through here. Uh, I will just say this, and I also did not expect you to lob on to the college football question as much as we have, but I'm here for it, as I said. The poll question for Key Auto Group, are you happy with the final four teams of the college football playoff selection? Washington, Texas, Alabama, Michigan. I, I know we got a lot of huge college football fans that watch or you're getting swept up in the hype, whatever it is. And what a maybe it's because it's a polarizing topic. 52% of you saying, no, you're not. Obviously, 48% saying, yes, you are. Um, we, 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 it was just picking up steam, and then we had to stop it to talk Vancouver Canucks with Jeff Patterson, which was great. But we'll roll that over into next hour. And... Um, I want to clarify something from Fake Gainer writing us. Where's Fake Gainer? He says, hey, yo, solid show. I like what Darren DuPont's laying down. Real skills in a skills competition. Hardest wrist shot. That wasn't Darren's idea. That was Serena's. I need to clarify that. That's what happens when you listen with half an ear, Fake Gainer. From the Sober Carpenter text line, I'll just read one. I'll just read one to whet your appetite for hour two. Larry Dye is watching in Medicine Hat. 
Alberta, Canada. And he says, is the RP show doing the lighting of the Christmas tree? Or should I say the lighting of the palm tree this year? Um, no. But it sure was fun when we did. Talk with Moose about that later. I think we probably could dig up the video of that. I'm sure it's on social media. The lighting of the tree in the bunker in the sweatpants capital. That was quite the show. Sports update on this Monday. The New York Mets announced the hiring of former Blue Jays manager John Gibbons today as bench coach under new manager Carlos Mendoza. The 61-year-old Gibbons managed the Blue Jays from 04 to 08 and then 2013 to 18. He appeared in 18 major league player games as a player, all with the Mets in 84 and 86, and was a minor league coach, coach and instructor from 1991 to 2001. And just started following me on Twitter, Jim. John Gibbons, now a member of the New York Mets coaching staff. I think we all like Gibby. The Saskatchewan Rush have dropped their opening game of the 23-24 National Lacrosse League season against the Halifax Thunderbirds 17-12 on the weekend in Nova Scotia. A slow start found the Rush down 9-4 after the first quarter and down 11-5 at halftime. Next up, the Rush will welcome the Rochester Nighthawks to town for their home opener on December 9th. In other NLL season opening games, Philadelphia beat New York 13-10, Rochester over Calgary 14-13, Panther City beat Vancouver 11-7, and Albany dumped Las Vegas 12-10. I swear if they got a uh, NLL team in South Florida, I'd be all over it. Sports update brought to you by Common Crown Brewing Company, turning your everyday common beer into a unique and exceptional experience. Visit commoncrown.ca. And for Landmark Cinemas, in Landmark Cinemas now, Silent Night. From legendary director John Woo and the producer of John Wick comes this gritty revenge tale of a tormented father who witnesses his young son die when caught in a gang's crossfire on Christmas Eve. Silent Night redefines the action genre with visceral. Thrill a minute storytelling. Have I sold you yet? Silent Night in Landmark Cinemas now. Most returns in hour two, and Coach Ryan Bold will be with us after this brief pause, not on Game Plus, but on YouTube and WQEE Radio.